Hello, and welcome to IRI Growth Insights, featuring IRI thought leaders, industry partners, and guests. For more than 40 years, IRI has been known for its invaluable data, but these podcasts delve into the insights the data reveal to fuel market disruption and market growth for those in the CPG, retail, healthcare, and media markets. I'm your host, Joan Driggs, coming to you from IRI's corporate headquarters in Chicago. Hello, and welcome back to IRI Growth Insights Podcast. I'm Joan Driggs, your host, and I am so happy to once again be speaking with the dynamic duo of Sally Lyons-Wyatt and Jana Parker um, as part of our Fresh Perspectives with Jana and Sally series. On a periodic basis, um, we talk with Jana and Sally about what they're seeing um, to share their expertise in the perimeter of the store and focusing especially on how we're driving growth in that dynamic area. Today, we're going to be taking a look back at what we learned during the pandemic and how we hope it will influence Fresh in the future. Um, and of course, so here we are with Jonna and Sally. Sally is the IRI's Executive Vice President, Center of Store and Produce Vertical, and Jonna is Principal of IRI's Fresh Center of Excellence. So welcome to you both. Thanks for having us, Joan. So let's talk a little bit about what we did learn um, throughout the pandemic. And from your recent um, Fresh Perspectives webinar, we know that it was kind of like three periods. You broke it out into three periods. So let's talk a little bit about what happened during those periods and some of the key takeaways. Sure. I'll, I'll take that one. This is Jonna. Um, you know, as we look back and we concatenate what are the big headlines of 2020? I think, of course, that early period from the middle of March through the middle of May, when things were the initial lockdown, and you can almost call that the toilet paper run phase, right, period. Um, and of course, we saw things spike from a growth perspective in general food, frozen meat, you know, your key staples across the store, and certainly in fresh with meat being the anchor of that was big, big, big news in that first phase or that first period, excuse me. Then we went into this kind of the summer of opening, trying to figure out what life during coronavirus would be like. And yet what really kind of surprised us is when it came to the, the store and the perishable section, the same types of foods remained in demand. And again, consistently, the meat department, even though it had supply challenges during that summer, um, certainly really performed strongly and then what became a new kind of narrative during period two was this concept of premiumization and the fresh center or the fresh section of the store being a place where meals after months of, of you know, living with coronavirus, we all knew it was going to settle in. That was a place in produce with fresh vegetables, especially, and also in seafood with phenomenal pricing due to the lack of um, you know, the food service sector being fully open, phenomenal price points in seafood really driving really high-end purchasing behaviors um, across consumers in that period too. And then period three, which is that period when things should have been returning back to normalcy, right? Kids should have been going back to school. Um, we should have been going back to our jobs as things started to you know, get more colder and in the fall took hold. And because we weren't doing those behaviors, you know, our most recent survey still has 55% of school children who should be in a school building at home 
And about 53% of those of us who work in an office still working from home five days a week. So those were realities we had to contend with. So that period three, this period where we're still in stages of restriction and lockdown and abnormal behaviors, but we really want to and need to do the things that give us joy and comfort, that I think is the period that's most interesting. And we term that period as kind of mid-August through, I would say, October. And our key learnings during period three were, were really interesting because you would have thought the juggernaut that is frozen foods, because of its need to be able to be, you know, able to be in your freezer for a long time, we would have thought that would have been really, really important just with period one, right? And by periods two and three, the frozen foods, you know, would have waned a little bit. But throughout this pandemic, yes, this is fresh perspective, but throughout this pandemic, frozen foods did incredibly well, no matter the period, led the store from a department perspective in growth. And as we took a step back, what I think the fresh industry can learn from frozen foods consistent throughout the period growth is it wasn't just about its stability, right? Its ability to have shelf life or at home life after you bought it. When we talk to consumers about frozen foods and we look at what was growing, it was a mix of indulgences. Ice cream, for example, and novelties did incredibly well in this period throughout the, throughout the pandemic. Frozen dinners and entrees both in multi-serve and single-serve, did incredibly well. And it was really interesting to then look at how the frozen foods evolution, the fact that it's not just more, you know, it's able to sit at your home for longer, but also that frozen foods deliver often on taste now. They've had a renaissance in terms of quality and taste. They also had a tremendous amount of variety. During years of innovation that have happened in that space to try to win back consumers who had migrated away from it, that hit at the perfect time when consumers needed more at-home meals, frozen delivered. And why that's so remarkable, and I talk about frozen foods now, is as, as you know from looking at the data we publish, the deli department suffered throughout all three periods of the pandemic. We're still negative year over year in deli-prepared foods. And we've been incredibly soft in the perimeter bakery. We've seen some bright lights in center store bakery, but again, due to like things like breads and, and on-hand foods, not the indulgences. So a key learning about frozen to fresh during the pandemic has been, it isn't just about shelf life. Frozen's winning because they're listening and looking at innovation that matches consumers' needs. And then they're also having this level of quality that honestly rivals fresh. And I think that is one theme I really wanted to talk about today because of its really interesting pieces. I think the fresh manufacturing and suppliers and retailers should be looking at the frozen foods departments as partners and inspiration centers. And I know the frozen suppliers are looking at the fresh sector for that kind of inspiration. And I think that not competition, but cooperation could be a really interesting post-pandemic opportunity. So one of the things that you just said in terms of frozen that I really like was you know, some of the taste and the experiential, but it's also the serving sizes, you know, that you can pretty much take what you want. And I have seen like, especially with in-store bakeries, they've kind of done a better job of half pies or slices of pies, um, you know, smaller cupcakes rather than cakes and things like that. So I feel like, yep, there, there is some of that shift going on, but as we increase mobility, do they need to hang on to that um, those smaller portions, or is this like something that you anticipate will stick? 
Yes. And that's really interesting because previously, pre-pandemic, and I'm going back, you know, these are adages we talk about at this high level and in the the food retail world, but, you know, frozen foods was known as you could get a single serve or a multi-serve. And fresh, especially in bakery, deli, and produce was the space, and even in meat, where you could kind of curate and have different sizes because of the random weight by power nature of the way fresh foods were marketed. But again, I think both sectors need to recognize that we are an incredibly, incredibly diverse group of households here in America. And what the bakery and to some degree the deli did learn is because of the pandemic, yes, we've seen an explosion in the bakery and in deli entertaining in smaller portion sizes, because obviously we couldn't gather in big parties. There, you know, we couldn't have large gatherings, so serving sizes had to shift in the bakery and deli entertaining. And what the learning, though, if we take a step back, is even post-pandemic, we can't anchor whole departments of the store on a party, right? Yes, it's an attractive ring. It's a very high basket size. But we're an incredibly diverse set of households here in America. And meeting the different serving size needs of, you know, one, two, yes, four, five, six, seven person households on an everyday basis is going to be incredibly important for retailers, not just to win the party trip, but to consistently win loyalty among the best possible customers, which isn't always, you know, I often say when you look at the American demographics, one of the minority types of households is two parents and two or three kids. And so we really can't market everything to that type of household. And I do think that's a really great point about serving size, Joan. Frozen had it nailed even before the pandemic. You could go one, two, or many. And, you know, in Fresh, we've gotten away from that a little bit, or we relied too much on bulk which we learned during the pandemic wasn't going to wasn't going to be great. Um, a lot of consumers, not a lot, but there was a portion of consumers who did um, be a little more hesitant for pick your own um, touching kind of bulk product. But again, we need to have immediate, easy to see, multiple serving size solutions. And you're absolutely right. That is another thing that Frozen got right. That is going to be a, a big challenge. And, and I would anticipate that maybe some some um, of our channels would maybe handle that a little bit better um, than others. So let's talk a little bit about what happened with channels and how they approached Fresh um, throughout the pandemic. So this is Sally, for those of you listening. And what's interesting, I think everybody's heard the news in 2020 that e-commerce accelerated and had a big boom. What was also part of that is that consumers embraced e-commerce for fresh, which a lot of people were like, will they, won't they? Well, the answer is they did. And part of what's happened with the e-com- with e-commerce is, yes, tremendous growth, but it's still a small base. You still have a lion's share of fresh being purchased out of grocery. And grocery had some great trends throughout the pandemic. Um, we also saw the value channels like, like a club or a dollar doing quite well. So consumers are shopping fresh and they're shopping fresh across many different channels, which I think is really um, talking to the relevance of fresh and the importance it plays in the American household, where I do think 
um, 21 presents a big opportunity is those search engines. Because no matter if you're brick and mortar and you have click and collect, or whether you're a pure play online, or whether you're providing a solution set, the search engines really have not caught up with what consumers are looking for. And it could be as easy as, hey, I'm looking for vitamin C. Well, the things that come up are supplements most of the time. Maybe you'll get an orange juice, right? But very rarely do you see the produce that really align with vitamin C being in that pick list on the search engine. So there's this huge opportunity for the retailers and manufacturers that supply um, retail with an opportunity to ensure that as you are putting products into the, the system, that you also put in some of those key attributes that consumers are looking for. Now, with that said, I will switch to something where Jonna was talking about, and it's um, zeroing in on what Frozen does well, and they were able to put together either a meal or a side dish or even solutions for consumers that were cooking, and they might want to have the vegetable mix for a stew, or they want to be able to have, you know, the fajita um, add-ins, right, to the meat. They did that well. We do see some retailers, so I'm going to say there is a segment of retailers that also do that well in the fresh area. But when you're online, and I'm talking about as a personal consumer, that when I go online and I'm looking for those solutions just so I can get them, I can't find them. Now, some of it is in fresh. Some of it is it's just not available to be done online. But that is a huge opportunity. It's a huge opportunity for 21 to not only get that search engine right, but then make sure that you have and complement some of the solutions because consumers are gravitating to that online search before they even, they'll either do the online search and buy online, although the online search and then they'll go to the store because they're trying to minimize their trips. And that isn't going to, that's not going to ease up as we go into 21. I do think that that's going to be something that sticks with consumers. I couldn't agree with you more. And I I do think that, because um, you have talked about this a lot, I, I really admired some of the work that you have done in terms of search, you know, some of the claims that have been missing. But right now, um, retailers and manufacturers are investing so heavily in e-commerce, like they're boosting everything they can to take advantage of the growth that they've seen and to keep it sticky. So some of the things, and I really like you landing on like solutions, because I think you've already done some other work here too, just around like lunch. If I recall, you did something with lunch and Lunchables came up and I thought, man, I'm, I'm looking for mealtime or, you know, midday, midday inspiration. You know, you know, when you, when you get tired of hummus for lunch, it's like, what else is out there? Um, so I think that if you could, if you could give somebody three things, give a retailer or give a manufacturer a brand, three things to think about as they expand their, their searchability. Um, what, what is it about solutions that they can really drill into? I mean, what are the things that they should be looking at from their own perspective? So one is occasions and the occasions have evolved. Um, and when you, um, when you think about what's going on in American homes today, You've got more kids at home doing remote learning. That means they're at home all day long. You have 
um, multi-generational um, households. You have consumers that are working more at home now than they are outside of the home. So you've got a multiple um, variations of what's out there today. So when you are a retailer or, or again, a CPG manufacturer, supplier of such, and you think about those occasions, then what does that look like? So there's morning occasions. Those look different than the midday occasions and those look different than the evening, but even the late night looks different. And it isn't just traditional snacking. What we've seen is this experiential eating because consumers are trying to break up the monotony. They're trying to find a way to have um, engagement in their home like they would if they were at a restaurant. So number one would be that occasion. Zero in on what do you want to do across the day to engage the consumer to want to come and shop your store online or in person, right? What is that? So number one would be occasions. Number two is, you know, the solutions that Jonna has talked about a lot in um, over the last year. And those solutions and you know, she talked about frozen. She talked about some of what goes on even in Delhi and and um, and she was right on with that. But when you think about the solutions, then what solutions do you want to own? What do you want to make your mark on? Where do you want when the consumer has top of mind? Of, I got to go do this. What re, what do you do? You want to be that retailer that comes to mind first or not? I would I would bet you do. And so figure out what that is. So occasions, then solutions. And then it's also, um, this one's, the third one's going to be one that more evolves. And that is this, mind social media. Find out what consumers are saying and then come in and be able to, to drive something new and something innovative, something that's going to be just a, a, a differentiation between you and the rest. Not many retailers are mining social and then whipping out something new. That, I think, is going to be a key marker because restaurants are totally going to be like getting back in business. They're going to be um, well opening the doors saying, welcome, come in. We can't wait to serve you. We're, we're here. Well, don't miss out right now. Listen to what consumers are looking for. What are they wanting to go find and, and bring that forward and make sure they use digital and social media to help bring that home. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it is, think about it. Restaurants especially do, like they mine social media so well and they can turn around offers and stuff. You know, the agility and the speed that we've witnessed throughout the year, throughout the pandemic has been astonishing and wonderful for our industry. And I just hope that that's like the speed at which it becomes our new cruising speed because we always have to be so agility. I'm, you know, it's kind of a little deflating to be part of the CPG industry lagging behind every other industry. Um, and we can see now that we don't have to, you know, we can be agile. And I just love some of the, the changes and the agility that we've seen. And I hope it continues. I, I, uh, I think we totally agree, but you know, we've all been in this industry for a long time. I've had the tremendous pleasure of the overwhelming majority of my my time with fresh foods. And it's the agility and also what we learned this year would have taken 
millions of test and learn situations. We had things change we never would have thought would have changed, shifting from 52% of foods being, being spent out of home, food dollars spent out of home to 70% being spent in the home. We never would have pictured that happening. So there's so much learning and so much data at the fingertips of every supplier and every retailer now that is just ripe with insights and ripe with opportunity. And to hit home this concept of solutions that Sally was saying, I really want to emphasize focus. This can feel overwhelming to try to solve all things for all people. That wasn't the learning of the pandemic. No one, no channel, no supplier. You know, I mean, if you look at what was successful, though, there's a little bit of being that agility across all you know, but not everyone can be ground beef. <laughs> Majority of things in the store have a focus. They have a purpose, a brand, a supplier, a department. But it isn't about then siloing down and hunkering down and saying, I'm an orange. I can always just be eaten out of hand. I think it's that idea of take your focus. It is incredibly easy, cheap now to take a look at what Sally was saying. The data exists in a really easy way to figure out what is your product bought with. Who is buying your product in an incredibly addressable audience and market and to serve them ads in digital that is 100% speaks to them in the moment? That type of learning that we had is now so attainable to go out and grow with. And that's what I'm excited for 2021. And, and we're already partnering with so many of our clients in that way. And I'm super excited to, to talk more. Somebody said the other day, just to close with this idea, somebody very, very smart said the other day, you know, we really have to embrace the fact that the solution that's going to save the store is not more rotisserie chicken. <laughs> you know, but for decades, that's all anyone's been saying. Oh, look, look at the growth of rotisserie chicken. Let's just sell more rotisserie chicken. No, the solution is in what we learned this year and something we haven't even thought of yet that consumers showed us is what they want. We just have to embrace bringing it together in a new way and, and you know, occasion people and social media mining or just consumer concept mining, it's there. Let's do it in 2021. You know, I want to actually go back to the rotisserie chicken because I think it it is almost like at the heart of what we're talking about today. And that is, it's not just the rotisserie chicken. It's what we're inspiring consumers to do with the rotisserie chicken and how we're encouraging the full plate or the snack or whatever it happens to be that has that rotisserie chicken at its core. And that's where I think we go back to some of our earlier conversations. It's part center store. It's part frozen. It's part deli prepared. It's all these things. It's like thinking about, and this kind of, I guess, is recapping some of the things even that Sally had said that think about what it is you're trying to solve for. What is the occasion? And then, you know, what is your sweet spot, right? One of the most incredible top-line learnings that I had in building our thought leadership throughout the year and our articles that we write uh, with 210 Analytics, adjacency became the only way retailers were giving inspiration. I'll repeat that. Adjacency was the only way retailers were giving inspiration because what we saw was, you know, I didn't cover this earlier, but throughout every period of the pandemic, the fresh meat department and the processed meat department did incredibly well. Beef, dinner sausages, and chicken consistently appeared in the top five fresh, highest growth foods in absolute dollar and percent change. But guess what? In the multitude of ways that you could present a side dish 
to a consumer, it wasn't, we didn't see the growth as much in produce side dishes or frozen side dishes or even deli side dishes that we saw in a category we've now defined as refrigerated side dishes that are sold adjacent to the meat department. So if you're thinking about it, those are those tubs of UPC pre-packed mashed potatoes and mac and cheese that are merchandised in refrigerated cases next to the processed or the fresh meat. Those sold in a staggering amount. But remember, they were adjacent. So when someone came in and said, I have to solve 80% of my meals now at home and beelined for that meat department and shopped around the meat department because we saw more versatility in the types of cuts that people bought. You know, they were buying chicken breasts and ground beef and pork chops because they knew what to do with them. And then they were going, oh my gosh, I'm exhausted and I need to get out of here because I don't want to be out during the pandemic. Oh, look, there's a side dish. I'll pick it up. We could 100% do that inspiration in different ways online, on in, in social media. We could make connections. We know what people buy together, but we're kind of forcing them into buying together with what we happen to put next to. So I think, yes, we learned and proved what we all knew. Secondary displays or adjacency is critical, but why is that the only way? So again, to bring it into the rotisserie chicken, I see similar correlations. If we merchandise side dishes next to the rotisserie chicken or sell a meal deal together, like with a, a carbonated soft drink or a package of bakery buns, yes. But is that really what a consumer wants? Could you imagine going into Chipotle and them saying, well, the barbacoa is next to the tortilla, is next to the pico, and that's all you get? So we need to be the inspiration and a grocery store could be an amazing place of inspiration and online. Oh my goodness. You know, Sally's vitamin C example is huge. We should be the source of where people go. I mean, I'm, I'm the stats person, right? So I have to say, if you don't think people shop by search consistently in our survey this year, the amazing survey we did with consumers throughout the year, every two weeks, Consistently, we were seeing rates between 58 and 70% of online shopping experiences driven through search, meaning I have already decided that I'm going to shop my local grocer, and now I'm looking at my list, looking for ground beef and sandwich meat. And guess what happens when you type in sandwich? You get nothing like a sandwich at all. You get, you know, Smuckers and Crustables. And I apologize, you're hearing that my children are home right now while we're recording this. Um, so I just want to say we have so much inspiration to do around solution. Well, and you know, it's interesting because there are other areas, like you said, I, first of all, you're talking about search, you're talking about, you know, online, you're talking about social. There are now things like shoppable recipes. People are out there looking for inspiration and it's like, wow, what a great partnership opportunity with some of those shoppable recipes, both for in-store and online. And we know too, that with this adoption of e-commerce that um, as as people continue to build their lists online, that becomes one of those fixed behaviors. You know, it takes an average of 66 days to create a habit. Well, we've been in this pandemic for, you know, well longer than like the, the, the high end of how long it takes to form habits. We've got new habits. Um, and you can be part of that solution, I, I think, is, is what we're saying. So as we wrap up, I just want to highlight a couple of the things that I heard today from you. And that is that in the store, we can't 
depend on, you know, we can't anchor departments on the party. I love, I just love that line, you know, that we are diverse households, different generations, different sizes, and we really need to accommodate all of it. And so I do hope that the variety that I'm seeing in the stores that I shop sticks with us because even, you know, at different periods, our household makeup is going to ebb and flow. Those occasions are going to ebb and flow. So I want to be able to find the solutions anytime for whatever it happens to be. Um, I love the big, you know, adjustment to e-commerce, um, but that wasn't the only winner. And that there are opportunities for all the different channels to um, present fresh in their own unique ways. And it can be like a, a trip driver. It can be your point of differentiation, how you do it. Um I like the idea of focus and what do you want to, you know, like which occasions do you want to really address for your shoppers? What solutions do you want to own for those shoppers? It can be overwhelming, but when you kind of drill into it that way, I think it's, it's a great idea and be part of the inspiration, you know, be as connected as other industries are, um, provide inspiration by your online search, social media, um, help make connections throughout the store. You know, remember all that digital signage? Remember, you know, take, rip out those stupid arrows on the floor and start telling me where I should go to be making the right connections that I want to make. Um, so I think with that, um, I want to say again, thank you. I can't believe how fast our time goes. I can't believe how fast this year went, but our time on these fresh perspectives with John and Sally goes so fast because um, it's a great conversation and I love the topic. So I can't wait to get into 2021. Everybody can't wait to get into 2021 and talk about how much um, some of these changes are actually becoming habits in our own industry. Joan, the one thing I would love to add as we end this is that the time is now because we know the end is in sight. That is the best news of this year. So the time is now to make sure you continue to listen and learn from your shoppers and you are delivering on their needs every day because once they have that choice and the choice is they're going to walk out the door and go to a restaurant or do they walk out the door and go back to the grocery store to bring back and either cook or warm up something they might have gotten. Don't, don't, even, don't even think for a second you can't be in that mix if you are indeed a retailer. You can be. By acting now and continuing to drive that loyalty to your store based on everything you just said, Joan. So well said. Thank you, Sally. That's it. Well, till next time. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please become a subscriber and let us know what you want to learn more about. We'll serve it up in a future IRI Growth Insights episode. Look for us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to review IRI Growth Insights. Also, visit us on the web at iriworldwide.com and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn.